0: Listening to the Keefe to the City podcast.
1: All right, the Rangers are heading to their stretch run. They've got uh, some tough Metro games coming up on the on the calendar. Recently, played the Flyers and the Devils. Now they've got the Blackhawks on tap. Uh, the Maple Leafs this week. Joining me today to talk about uh, not only the Rangers but his career in the NHL and his experiences hockey. Nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, Hobie Baker Award winner, former NHL defenseman, Mike Motto. Mike, how's it going today?
0: Doing great. Thanks for having me, Neil. I would love to talk after the you anytime.
1: <laughs> Well, thanks for coming on. I know uh, you know for you being a, a Mass native, uh, attending BC Thayer Academy. Um, you know, I'm from Southern Connecticut, but went to school up in Boston as well. I have a lot of friends in that area. And I guess you know the first question has to be. You know, at the time period for you, 96, going into college as a freshman, when BU is sort of on top of the hockey world, how do you end up picking BC over BU? Uh,
0: that's a great question. I, um, I actually, through the recruiting process, um, was very interested in going to BU because of their success. They won the national championship in 95 there, and uh, I was, you know, a local kid and went to a lot of the games. But at the end of it, um, I felt BC was a better fit. Coming out of uh, their academy was it was a prep school that I was able to go to, and BC was down at the time athletically in the program. But Marty Reasoner was one of the main reasons why I went there, and he was the guy that I think, looking back, uh, turned the program around. Like he he got a a, a class behind him, and then uh, like a gianta behind him, and then it just kind of like rolled from there, in my opinion. So Marty Reasoner for me was the biggest reason why i went to
1: bc yeah those bc teams i mean as far as growing up you know at that time i you know i was just a teenager in, in middle school and junior high but watching those games on tv you know one you guys went to the frozen four those teams with you and gianta and Skideri, farkas belfay Kalanos, i mean those teams were stacked and to think that in your four years you know you guys lost the national title game twice and then the year after you leave they end up overcoming north dakota and winning but you can make a case that really you guys had a chance to win it all four years.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, th- that is what I think about. Uh, my, my freshman year would have been like 50-50 if we got into, uh, the tournament, but, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, sophomore year was lost in the finals, junior lost in the 70s, lost in the finals my senior, so. In my opinion, they got rid of the dead weight, and they won the championship the next year. So, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of it, uh, the program started going in the right direction under you know Jerry York. And uh, at the end of it, if you look back now, and you can see you know all the great players that have gone through there, and. and and became like uh, professional hockey players uh, coming up through that program.
1: Yeah, and you, you you know you lose it in your senior year, and then the next year you're you're part of the Rangers organization, playing with the Wolfpack and the Rangers. But the guys that you had left behind at BC they end up winning it. So are you just are you ecstatic that they won, or do you have at the time? Are you a little bitter that you you didn't have that when you were there?
0: Uh, I mean, the, the quick story is you know I I was so excited, but um, also upset at the same time. It's uh, personally was with those guys the year before. So I ended up uh, playing with the Rangers at the end of the year, and, you know, Brian Leach was my uh, my pod now, dream come true type thing. We had an early game on that Saturday. Fly back to Westchester County and drive right to the uh, hotel room for the start of uh, overtime with they uh, playing against North North Dakota. Chris Colano scores the game with a goal. I jump on i wicked excited, like just, ah, uh, fired up, boss. At the end of the day, I was like, ah. Oh. Man, I like, and I I, t- I had to take a breath. I, I wanted to be there with them. so it was bittersweet, you know. I I I care so much about those guys that I played three years with and who were seniors and uh, some of the guys that I played with uh, prior, but they called me on the bus right home and we uh, we had a great uh, chat and uh, I was really happy to uh, share some of their uh, excitement you know, with them.
1: The game you guys played uh, your sophomore year when you played Michigan in the finals and that was in Boston, so that's kind of a weird element to it to have sort of the home crowd behind you, you know, you're from the area playing at BC and you guys end up making the Frozen Four in Boston and then you have to play Michigan obviously what Happens in overtime, but when you look at that game and then playing just in Providence two years later against North Dakota, so both sort of area games for you guys, I mean, did, did that bring a different element to it because those teams were from Michigan, from North Dakota, from the Midwest? Yeah,
0: it was, you know, amazing. The sophomore year one against Michigan, where we lost in overtime, uh, it was probably the toughest loss I've ever had to accept because you're very emotional in the uh, college game. Like, everyone's bested in the same way. And it was very unexpected that we were, we were going to be there. So um, for me, coming from the area, having like your family and friends and like people rooting for you to like just kind of get over that hump was amazing. Uh, seemingly, it was a little bit more expected that we should have been there because we had a good team. Um, but we just got beat, you know, we got beat in the third period by a team that just kept coming. And, you know, very disappointing as well. But at the end of it, Experiences that, you know, that I experienced for college hockey, uh, and I, I scout right now, um, part of time at the, Black and I look at these guys, um, playing their game, and it's, it's a, it's a definite, uh, you know, emotional ride, but when you get into that final game, and, and you have to make decisions, and you have to make plays, and, and you have to uh, produce, it's it's very important, and, and it's exciting to, for me now to look back at how much it was exciting for me.
1: When you talked earlier about, you know, how Marty Reasoner was the reason you went there, you get there, then the classes after you with Gianta and so on, and it was such a dead period for BC hockey, but it was really your class, or either your class, you could say the one before you, the one after you, those three years right there would sort of turn things around, and now, you know, BC is sort of overtaken BU in the in the Boston landscape and, and certainly in the national landscape with the titles they've won since you've been there and since you've left over you know the last 16 to 20 years I mean do you ever look back and think how different things could be for these two teams had you and maybe Gianta and a couple of the other guys switched and gone to BU
0: instead Yeah I and mean, that's just the way it goes with the recruiting process and at the time, like, uh, there was an opportunity for guys to come in and kind of turn the program around. And, like, looking back, it, like, it's not how you really look at it, but you're kind of proud of it now. But the constant is Jerry York. Like, he is, you know, the same person that recruited me as I talk to him, you know, tomorrow. You know, he is the uh, um professional, consummate um, ambassador of Boston College. And, and this is a person that I was comfortable going to play for and my parents were confident in me making that decision. So that's, that's, the reason the real reason why everything turned around he got the right players yes uh but he cultivated the environment for it to happen
1: well after bc uh you get drafted by the rangers after your freshman year and uh i i read this funny story about you getting drafted and and the rangers (laughs) calling the wrong name for it
0: (laughs) yeah they called my brother's name so i i went down there with my uh, uh my roommate from bc and I was with my girlfriend, my my wife now and um, just sitting there chatting with a uh, a friend and they called Rob Marto, my brother. He's five years old, obviously not draft eligible, but <laughs> it, it was interesting because uh I went down there and they would not let me onto the floor. It was the seventh round of a hot day in Pittsburgh and they just kinda wanna get through the last round and they wouldn't let me down because uh, they said Rob might be up there somewhere. I was like, oh man, that's my brother. Like, I'm Mike and blah, blah, blah. And ultimately, they let me down and I I ended up getting through the uh, the queue and getting drafted. But, um, kind of a funny story to, to tell, but I, I hope no one's got in trouble for that, because, you know, that's <laughs> an honest mistake. And
1: it, it, it seems very, you know, maybe not rangers S then, because they, they were still good at that point, but if you had, if it had happened a couple years later, I could say, yeah, that seems like something the Rangers front office would do. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I, I had a, uh, a great experience with the Rangers, uh, for me, to just get acclimated to the pro game, uh, in the minors with John Paddock, he was a... Uh, such a val- valuable person in my pro career to allow me to play my game and develop me, um, you know, on ice, off ice, and that's um, very valuable when you come out and you don't know what's ahead of you as far as pro goes. Uh, I knew the college game, I knew the routines and everything, but as a young kid back then, you know, now kids know a little bit more because there's more information out there, but going in kind of blind, uh, John Paddock was one of the one of the best resources I've
1: had as a pro. Yeah, and you you had mentioned earlier about getting the call and playing with Leach, and at that time, you know, Messier's on the team, Nedved, uh, Richter, uh, going down the line, Graves, Mike York, uh, and the next season, you have Theo Fleury, Eric Lindros. I mean, so you stepped right from, you know, college hockey, you know, 21, 22-year-old senior, and you're on. now you're playing with guys' household names instantly right after your days at BC. Yeah, I mean, I, I
0: have a, <clears throat> a quick story about, uh, you know, Adam Graves is one of the best people that you can come up you know it's well known great player he's been you know uh he's like the constant professional but uh for me personally my story about Adam is I went into a city I had just gotten called up and uh, I think we were in Washington and uh I went down to the subway right down the street and I just grabbed my dinner and came back and all the guys were coming down the elevator to go to dinner. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, yeah, I just got dinner. I get like my, uh, you know, um, farm drink and whatever. And he's like, just go put that up on your desk and come out. So we went out to a nice steak dinner and he paid for me. And that was the first time, you know, a, a person like kind of took me under their wing to just say, okay, you know, this is what we're gonna, you got to get a good meal in before night. And so Adam Graves for me, like he has a special spot in my heart because I would do that. I would pay it forward to the next guy when I was in that position. So as far as people that I was strong with early on in my career, Brian Leach, Mike, like that, like all, you can go to right down on the list, Messier shook my hand coming off the bus, my first exhibition game. And that goes a long way when you have a, teacher hall of fame or do that you know so i had a great experience although i didn't stick with the organization i had a great experience in my first uh two and a half three years yeah
1: well they drafted you after your freshman year and so i'm guessing you know being from the Boston area, and you're obviously a Bruins fan growing up, and then 18 years old, the Rangers draft you, which is uh, you know a little little different rooting now or being part of a New York team living in Boston. So does that change your entire mindset for the rest of your college career that you're Rangers property, and you you know you, you sort of lose your fandom for the Bruins?
0: Well, I mean, like growing up as a Bruins fan, and even like just the loyalty of the New York base. And um, you know, if I was from New York, I'd do the same thing. Like, I still was a Bruins fan, you know. But, at the end of it, uh, Brian Leach was one of my guys that I tried to model my game after. Ray Block was a guy. So, I just tried to always stay in the present, like, what I had to do to be the best in that practice, that game, and then move on to, um, you know, the pro ranks, you know, that that helped me just be better. And, at the end of it, I was able to play for all three Metropolitan teams and the the conversation came up a bunch about Boston versus New York and the only spike that I would have is the Red Sox versus the Yankees in that (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, because I can be a fan of those teams, you know, Uh, like post-playing, you know, you're just just, uh, in the offseason. So, uh, it's kind of funny how like as a, as a hockey player, like you you don't worry about where you are. You're allegiance to the team that you're playing for. Uh, growing up, whatever team you're you're a fan of, but yes, uh, you know the off season is a different story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, when I was in high school in uh, playing junior hockey, and you know if I wasn't going to down to New York for a Rangers game or up to Boston, uh, you know me and my friends we would. Go to the Wolfpack games because the tickets are cheap. You know, it's the product's nearly as good as the NHL. And that's where I saw you in your first couple of years in professional hockey and those teams with you and Kendra Nander and Rico Fada and John Tripp. And there's a lot of good players on those teams. And I feel like those Wolfpack teams to see a lot of those guys eventually become Rangers or eventually become important pieces of other organizations uh, to, to watch that level of hockey, in the AHL, it certainly isn't as far off from the NHL, uh, you know, when you watch it in real life.
0: No, that's a great point. You know, because for me, I kind of I say missed my window, or just didn't get my opportunity, or whatever you want to call it. I I couldn't play consistently at the top level right away. And at the uh, AHL level, you have all these guys who are right there. Like the top level AHL guys can be on any team across the league, and. It's such a nice product of, uh, of hockey. And um, looking. This, this is just all looking back. Because like at the time, you're like, oh, you know, you're in it. You're, you, you want to be you know, at the NHL. You want to be there. But there's a, there's a reason why you're not there. Someone doesn't value X or what you're not good at. And you have to work on. There's, there's flaws in the game. But there is a team that could value for what you do. and So the NHL level is such a fine line between the NHL. and I I like you bringing that up because that is some of the names you just brought up are quality players that I played with and with a certain break, they could be, you know, 15-year NHL hockey players and some guys get the break, some guys don't, some guys earn it, some guys, um, like, force themselves into the league because of work ethic and, you know, uh, stick to this, but at the end of the day, yeah, the, the league itself is amazing, I think, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I feel like, you know, outside of the superstars who will make it on their own, you know, that's such a small percentage of players. And then you have the guys who, like you mentioned, it takes either it takes them time or they're in the wrong situation. And it sort of is all about timing and being on the right team at the right time, playing with the right line mates, you know, being in the right situation, because there's guys who are a point of game players in the NA, in the AHL and then they go up to the NHL, and they're playing third or fourth line minutes and never getting on the score sheet. And it's just crazy how that happens. And then they get sent back down, and they're all stars down there. And it just... It's a weird dynamic because obviously, you know, timing, it seems to be everything, no matter if it's, you know, hockey or really anything, I guess. And
0: that's, I'm just getting kind of like uh, into a new phase in my life where you know, I just have to pass, like uh, Terry said, and I'm into the finance business uh, of more theory, and I just, it's opportunity like, and preparation. So for me, I had a bunch of minor league seasons, but I always felt that I was a... NHL player. And at the end of it I had I, I, I had a chance to reserve myself to be a minor leader in the off seasons. And you can't do that if you still feel that you're an NHL hockey player. So I had an opportunity, someone got hurt in training camp and then I was prepared. And mm-hmm. I made it with the New Jersey Devils full time mm-hmm. and it's so much more rewarding when you believe in yourself than it gets realized. And that's what happened to me. That was, that was my kind of like long story short. And um, you know, I played as a depth defenseman after the fact, but you know, I made it to the NHL as a full-time player for eight years.
1: Well from going from the Rangers to the other side of the rivalry to the Devils, and then you know after that, a crossover to the island with the Islanders, you are one of the, the rare breeds I got to play for all three of the New York Metro teams. So you know whether it's MSG or the Rock or Continental or Nassau Coliseum, uh, you know, when, when you think of those days, you know playing for those teams, I guess you know which is, is, the, uh, is, the, is the best rank of the three, I guess? You know, as a Rangers fan, obviously, I would be biased towards MSG. And I guess, uh, you know, when you look around the league, maybe not necessarily those three, but, you know, what's the best ring to play in in the league and what's the worst?
0: Uh, across the league? Or just, uh, I mean, I can give you both. Huh? So, for me, I don't care how uh, terrible the ice is at MSG. I always enjoy playing there.
1: I feel like everyone uh. always... That's like the common theme, and I, I mean, obviously, I never skated there, so I don't know if it's true. But is that is that fact that the ice is that bad there?
0: Well, it, it, it's not like terrible, terrible. Imagine like Tampa Bay versus I, I think MSU's is better than Tampa Bay because they have to deal with the um, you know the temperature, But at the end, for me, I I care about it being just not uh, bumpy. Like so, if I make a pass, like I make a good decision, make a pass. Like if it pops, like it. it I don't make that pass because of the ice, like, I'll be upset. So it doesn't happen there as much at, 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 at MSG. It just gets chipped up. It gets chipped up because they try to cool it down because it's on the fifth level there. And, you know, they want it to be good, so they they cool it down more, so it gets chipped up more. So that's that's why I would say it would be bad because, like, that pass will get popped. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say that beyond the ice, uh, the atmosphere is great the fans are amazing um whether you're on the home team or the visiting team uh especially when I was with the rain, i mean the um the devils it would be fantastic you know 'cause it's it's a good rivalry Then I was with the I don't know, this, it's a great rivalry you know you have passionate sports fans in a very central location and it's very unique to any other Supporting rivalries. You, know, you can't really script that because people have their passions. And then um, but I'll just tell you one quick friend with the island I'm walking across the parking lot. It was like a, a midday game. One buddy uh, is a Rangers fan. One buddy is a uh, Islanders fan. Like the parking lot, I just got them real quick. Just that friend. Just that friend. So we're going to play the game. I was come out on top, come back out. And so I was living in the hotel right next door. And next thing you know, they're, like, still arguing about the same stuff. But, you know, <laughs> I, I ended up chatting with them for, like, two more minutes about, you know, like, it, it, that's just, like, the dynamic that you would not get in Boston because Boston has just Boston sports. And it's so great, though. I think that's what defines New York because you can be – a Rangers fan. You can be a Jersey fan. You can be an honor fan. You can be any other fan and be in that area and be passionate and argue like about this pretty much.
1: Yeah, I've always felt that way. But I, you know, from going to college in Boston, I always also thought that what makes Boston crazy is that you know there's just one team for all the four major sports, so everyone there has a common bond. Whereas in, like you said, like in New York, you could be at a bar and be a Rangers fan in Manhattan. You're the only Rangers fan because everyone else likes the Islanders or the Devils, or you could be a Yankees fan and a Mets bar. and It is it is a crazy, crazy dynamic, but I also feel like, you know, for you, you got the chance to go to Boston, and I feel like because there's so much coverage focused on one team that, you know, everything is magnified when you play there, even though New York is supposedly the biggest media market and the hardest place to play.
0: Well, it's like a fishbowl because it's not that big. like a territory, like uh, area-wise, but with New York teams, yeah, I'll, I'll compare the two. Is like you have, you know, a bunch of, you know, scrutiny of, you know, a bunch of, uh, teams that you can kind of like separate your, your kind of scrutiny. But at the end of it, Boston only has that. That's why the media can be different, different on, um, on that end. Um, I got triggered there from the Islanders and it was, you know, it was a trick true to play for your hometown team. But that being said, like I had made so many great friends and went to school with uh, a lot of Rangers fans, a lot of Iowa fans, a lot of Devil fans. And being in the New York metropolitan area, I love being down there because it's, it is it, it is very, um, for me, exciting to, to have a chance to, to have that uh, energy. There's like, such an energy down there. and like, these, The fans, like feed off it, and, and being a professional athlete in that area was, it was very special for me. Although I'm from Boston, like, I'm going to stay here in Boston, you know, and it is and it was a special time in my life um, to be able to do that. So, for me, it was uh, something I'll never forget.
1: Well, outside of, you know, playing with the Rangers, the Bruins, the Islanders, the Devils, you know, when you left the Rangers, you went to Calgary. And that seems like one of those places, you know, as an you know, as, as someone who didn't play in the league, you always think like, oh, these are the places I wouldn't want to play. You know, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg—these places that have awesome fan bases, but they're just you know in the middle of nowhere. They're freezing cold. You're in Canada. Um, you know, is that the experience you had there, or or is it much better than it seems from someone from you know the New York area?
0: Well, okay. coming from say like the New York Northeast, um, Calgary to me was was amazing. I got a chance to play uh played a few games, spent, like, I think it was about a month, a month and a half there. But that city alone is a place that some New Yorkers, some Boston people, some Northeast people need to go and visit, Uh <laughs> especially during the beat. I went back there for a wedding the year after I was playing there, and it was just an amazing space. Like, you have people, very friendly, uh unlike maybe the stereotypes. And of the, the Northeast, and uh, <laughs> I, I will I will say that it was it was a breath of fresh air for me to get out there. But they play a different style, I think. It was this, uh, I played under Daryl Sutter, and a little more tight checking, and you need to be you know very uh, physical, would you say? <laughs> and, and you know, I I would be, but at, the, at that time of my career. I still thought I could be an offensive defenseman and want to be Brian leash and, uh, it wasn't right and it ended up, uh, not working out, but my time encounter was very great, uh, only because of the access to the city. It's a great city, great, great spot to, uh, to visit if anyone uh, is looking to go up there.
1: Well, I guess on the opposite end of that spectrum then is is Florida, where you finished up your career two years ago, and that's a place where it's so nice every single day. The weather's beautiful, uh, and then there's a rink, and you know I've been I haven't been inside it, but I've been by that rink down down in Sunrise, and. It, it is so out of place because, you know, everyone's wearing shorts and t shirt and sandals, and then there's a hockey game going on, and the weather's like that year-round. So was it weird to grow up in the Northeast, playing you know, New York and Boston and freezing Calgary, and then you're playing basically on the beach for the Panthers? Yeah, that's
0: okay, because, like, it, it is different, you know? You come out of the bank, you put your time in on the uh, on the ice, and do, you, do your job, and then you can come out and go play golf during the uh, hockey season, you know? It's not not normal right but it was interesting because this this group of well, the, the group that i played with like they were very excited about like moving forward and like we cut off their like the golf like it was it was exciting for me i was like hey you know cause, like, I, I had no problem like going playing golf because i wasn't playing but everyone was like cutting off and i'm like all right let's go hey i'm in and i had never played golf in the hockey season ever, like I'm a couple golfers anyway. It's not like a, it's not like a big deal. So some of these guys are like avid golfers, so it was cut off by management and it was like done. <laughs> so you can't kind of play golf during the season. And I think you see some of the um, the successes uh, now. I mean, I'm sure they they probably let that loose, but uh, the, the, the Florida Panthers is doing great right now.
1: Well, the t- trade deadline's coming up. I know, you know, back in 03, you got traded in January from the Rangers to Calgary. Four years ago, you went from uh, the Islanders to the Bruins right at the deadline. So, you know, for you, I mean, as an NHL player, do you live every single season in fear that you could be traded? And, and especially at deadline time, I know for you, you know, you had that one experience going right at the deadline. So, you know, what is this couple weeks here leading up like for guys in the league?
0: Um, You know, it's, it's different for different players. Like certain guys who are valued at the trade deadline, you know, like a scorer or a defender, or like maybe a sandpaper guy, like who needs to be, you know, you know, at certain teams. So it's it's all about filling holes for top teams. Lower teams are looking to unload to gain assets for you know the future. But I personally, I never thought I would get traded. Um, so my last time was for the Bruins. I was a depth defenseman at the time. I became a depth defenseman for the Bruins. Um, I can just tell you the quick uh, end of it. It was driving. I was one of the wounded warriors down in um, Washington D.C. The Walter Reed, and it was unbelievable. So I'm in the back seat, and I get a telephone call from my coach. And I'm like, Ah, what do you want? You know. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you want to tell me I'm scratch again? You know, he's like, what the hell? Yeah. So, he, uh, he's like, hey, Mark, you've been traded. I'm like, "He goes two, And he's like, I went on a bridge or something. Like We we got cut off. So, I go, like, "Oh, you got to be kidding me. So, he calls right back and he's like, hey, has been traded to The Bruins. And I'm like, so, I have a house here. It just, it made, like, me feel excited because, you know, obviously you, you put the hometown team would be great. And so I called my wife and she's like, ah, uh, you know, I, I can't repeat it, but <laughs> at the end of it she beat me back. Pretty much. She packed up the whole house in Long Island, went back to our house in Boston.
1: So she's uh, more excited than you.
0: Yeah. yeah. but she hung up on me. Like what? She goes, are you kidding? Are you kidding? And then next thing you know, she hung up on me and she was already had the, uh, the moving boxes out and <laughs> yeah. was there any
1: was there any time before that happened like you know the days leading up where you know were you rumored to be going to Boston did you have any idea that that was in play
0: no not at all it was, this was at three fifty eight on trade deadline you know it ended at four so I, I was just going to uh, the hospital clinic to shake some veteran hands some active veteran hands and he uh, he called me and. I, I they had to pull over and I had to get a cab back to the hotel to pack my stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, before I let you go, you ne- I I forgot to get the other half of your answer to the to the you said MSG for the best and, and what's the worst place to play in the league? The worst place—that's
0: uh, you know, a great question because to be honest with you, know, like being in the uh, the the NHL would would, would uh, satisfy uh, a lot of people, but the worst place um, I was. I, had, uh, I didn't have a great time in Phoenix, which you would think would be like, oh, you warm or whatever. Just like we were staying versus where the rink um, was, it just, it just didn't work. I played in every single uh, NHL arena. The ice wasn't great, but the ice in Tampa rivals Arizona. So like the, the hot, Communities like the warmer climates aren't great, but every state that has like like solid fans that like come out and like do their thing. But Arizona was like a, I said Arizona if I had to be under the gun, you know, as it was. <laughs>
1: Well, when you look back at your career, you know, from BC, you know, all the accolades there, going to the national championship, Hobie Baker, leading, uh, you know, the Hockey East in history and assists, the BC points you put up at the top of, you know, near the top of their leaders, you know, you look back and... And there's times when you won defensive awards too. So, for a guy who was such an offensive defenseman in college and also won defensive defenseman awards, you know, when you think about the way you played, would you say you were more offensive than defensive or the other way or or just, you know, all around?
0: I I would say uh, you play defense, and if you were comfortable with someone beating you, then you have something wrong with you. (laughs) Uh, That's uh, just how I look at it. So I just cared about not getting beat and then pushing the puck to guys that could do something with it, you know. I, I didn't do much on my own. I just made the right decisions. And as, as I look at hockey now and, like, watch games, I love guys that make good decisions. It's just it's, – it could be the smallest little play, but it gets you out of the zone, you know. It could, it could lead to a goal. Or like you know, a nice dynamic offensive play, but it's a, it's a decision, you know? So you know, the toe drag is out for me because I'm coaching my ten year old. I'm like, yeah, you don't need the to coach drag. Just you
1: no know what to
0: move the puck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, also, when you know, you go back to those BC teams, and I feel like you know, for you, you came right out of high school. You went right from prep school to BC, eighteen year old freshman. And there's a lot of you guys on those teams that ended up become sort of you know a mini dynasty there. And you were all really true freshmen, and from a hockey standpoint, at that time. You know, there's a lot of 21, 22 year old freshmen. And it seems like college hockey, you know, throughout the end of the 90s, very early 2000s, it was all older freshmen. And, and you'd look across the board and, you know, you have 21 year old kids on every team that were in their first year. But now it seems like college hockey sort of swayed back the other way, the way you guys had it, where everyone's going right from juniors either to college as an 18, 19 year old. But it doesn't seem like teams are taking those really old freshmen anymore.
0: Well, yeah, I think the landscape has completely changed. From So from when we were coming through to when I was coming through, I had the opportunity to go right from um, high school to college. But the guys that needed just a little bit more of a look would go to the USHL. But now these guys going to the USHL earlier getting more of a look, because it's more structured, but there's a lot more structure on, like, that that league, and let's just say in the Boston area, there's, like, the EHF, like, you can have an ability to play at a high level and still go to school with your buddies in the car. so you don't have to go to, like, a prep school or you don't have to go out to the US development program even though that is, you know, still very kind of, like, the benchmark, but I will say that it has, that 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 is what I see now, but it has flipped to the point where you don't have the guys that have floated through the uh, junior ranks until they're 20, 21. Uh, 21-year-old freshman is what I would say was the oldest I ever came across. But you don't see them often. They just they just don't happen anymore. They'll either come in at you know 19 or they won't be able to, you know, perform at that level because there's so many good players coming through right now at a younger age that need maybe just one more year of, say, junior would be, like, 18 versus 19 versus when I was coming through, like, 18 versus 21, and I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just, like, at the end of the day, me, it it is an interesting dynamic because kids have such more exposure of what's right and wrong with play, better coaching, and it's just it 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 just makes sense for them to be better when they are. So
1: Well, now uh as we record this, the Rangers are playing the Blackhawks and now you're you're part of the Blackhawks in their scouting department uh, Stanley Cup champions last year, 3 in the last 6 years now. Um you know, so what's it like now to be not playing anymore but still associated with a team and sort of helping them build for the future to keep this dynasty going?
0: Uh it's great, you know. I, I got out of the game and uh, it's something that I know and uh, I was fortunate enough to have a, a good friend uh, reach out to me. They created a position and uh, it was local um, in the Northeast there in college hockey um, so, so for me it, it does allow me to stay in the game but also um, not commit full time uh, to like travel. I have four kids and I uh, after playing I, I tried to get back into the house instead of you know uh, get out so <laughs> it was it was one of these things that I looked to uh, his name is Alex Brooks he, he was a, a very good uh, player for the devil system and uh, he, he's a still say, yeah, black ox and he thought of me you know, when I retired and Ryan Stewart's my boss he does a great job there and I'm really excited to be a part of this uh, organization and they treat everyone from the power of excellence that they want, they expect, and then, you know, that they treat you well. So it's a, this is no secret as to why they've had success.
1: All right, Mike. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time to look back at your BC days, the NHL days, and, and now scouting. Uh, it was it was an honor to talk to you and, uh, you know, have fun with your family up in New Hampshire and uh, enjoy the last few weeks, hopefully, of winter.
0: Great. Thank you, Neil. I appreciate it. Anytime.